This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back talking about Loki, episode five, Journey into Mystery. <laughs> oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Um, these are my friends. Uh, well, they're, um, how best to put this? Uh, us as a child, us in the future, and us as uh, uh, an alligator. It's best not to question it. Oh, you throw a rock out here, you hit a Loki. So you're all after the giant cloud monster too, then? Well, we we, um, we haven't decided how we're going to kill it. But Sorry, yeah. come again. Kill it? Yes, we're going to kill Goliath. Oh my God, that was your plan? Yeah. And you all went along with it? I was, I was having my doubts. All right. Well, what's your plan, then? I think the person we're after is beyond the void at the end of time. And if they are, that thing is just their guard dog protecting the only way in. Okay, so um, how do we get past the guard dog? I'm going to enchant it. <laughs> That's insane, right? As insane as what? Paper cutting a giant cloud to death. Listen, I've been down here a bit longer than you. I know I'm going thing or two. to enchant it. Welcome back, fellow defenders, to TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Loki, Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. <laughs> and I am one of your hosts, John. Is that your mysterious sound effect? John? It was, yeah. I like it. I like it. Just the two of us this week, just myself and John. Uh, Chris is off on holidays. I hope you're enjoying yourself, Chris. And we are back, ears ringing from the IMAX after seeing uh, Black Widow today. Yes, uh, great to be back in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, really was uh, practically deaf now after the IMAX sound. Yep. But yeah, really just great to get that visceral experience, I guess, Definitely. of uh, of an IMAX theatre. Really good. Yeah, I love the cinema. Love being back. And great to see an MCU movie. Uh, we won't be spoiling it, obviously, on this episode because we know it's only coming out this week. Uh, we will be talking about it uh, later this week, probably recording Saturday or Sunday this week. So if you are getting to see it and want to share your thoughts with us, you can email us to the usual address to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. I'll put up a spoiler post on there on Friday specifically for um black widow so you can leave your thoughts about that uh, you can also join us over there for any thoughts about loki or the other podcast that we're doing every week the bad batch star wars the bad batch yes we are jam packed mm-hmm. full of content at the moment fellow defenders and uh yeah it's really uh such a an exciting time this is the penultimate episode now of loki mm-hmm. As Derek said, we've got the Black Widow Mm -hmm. coming up as well. And of course, there will be the Marvel What If as well that is coming up over the summer period, over August. And so really looking forward to that as well. So yeah, jam-packed. Should we give a little teaser of our thoughts on Black Widow? I don't see why not. Non-spoilery, of course. Of course, of course. Just overall, I think it's a little smaller film than most of the MCU films. It's a very self-contained story um, and very action-packed. Yes, I, I would say it's definitely action packed. Mm-hmm. It's great connecting with the uh, with the character again of yep. the Black Widow and um, Scarlett Johansson's yeah. Natalia Romanov. Really good. Feels very much as well as Derek says, um, smaller, more contained, and and certainly 
more connected, say, to previous MCU uh, movies, mm-hmm. such as, say, The Winter Soldier or Civil War, yes, even. definitely. Um, yeah. You know, if, if it had been plonked in, in, in the middle of there somewhere, it yeah. would certainly not have felt uh, out of character with that kind of espionage feel that we would expect from yeah. uh, Natasha Romanov. Certainly, though, it does have a nice link into... Um, the future. Yes. Surprisingly, I thought by the end of it, uh, in terms of the, what, what we get for yep. the post credit. <laughs> Absolutely. No further spoilers. Uh, only one other thing I'd say is I wish this had come out seven years ago when it was originally proposed because I think Scarlett Johansson is such a central character in all of the Avengers movies. She's been around for such a long time. It feels like such, like we've waited way longer than we should have for this movie. I feel like every time I'm going to watch this in future, it'll be part of uh, of that kind of period when you're watching all those movies back to back, I'll stick it in there around Captain America Civil War. I probably won't put the, put it to the 23rd movie in the MCU. I'll probably put it somewhere in the middle because um, I feel that's where it truly belongs, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. But let's uh, let's get on with Loki. Just mm-hmm. before we do, remember, please head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already you can get us on any uh, enchanting or daggery podcast catcher <laughs> of your choice just search tv podcast industries so please subscribe to share the podcast is of course sharing the love uh, you can also um support us over on patreon at patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries where you can support the podcast on a, on a monthly basis or head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash tvpi where for a one-off payment you can support as we always say our producer uh, in caffeine so that he can edit away on the podcast into the wee late hours Mm -hmm. Uh, but any support uh, that you can provide is fantastic absolutely and so so much appreciated yes thanks so much to everybody that's been supporting us over on patreon and over on uh, on buy me a coffee it's been really really useful as we get loads and loads of episodes out we're almost at our 600th episode john uh, only about eight more to go before we get to 600 and those seem to be flying by at the moment so so yeah we're getting up there they really are but let's get on to loki episode five journey into mystery <laughs> Ooh. I love it. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, once again, head writer for the show, Michael Waldron, and every episode of the show directed by Kate Heron. Uh, this episode was was written by uh, Tom Kaufman. Uh, Tom Kaufman was a staff writer on Rick and Morty and has written six episodes of that show as well. I think uh, you'll see some uh, of his humour clearly on display in this episode and a lot of Rick and Morty type uh, humour in here. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um Perfect matching um, here, I think, so. I think yeah. uh, with Ricky Morty uh, with this ep- with this episode specifically, mm-hmm. but I think with this series, yeah. um, really good pairing. Yeah, yeah like definitely. a fine wine with a good cheese. Exactly. Well, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with their synopsis for the episode? Sure. Loki awakes in the void with classic Loki, kid Loki, boastful Loki, and alligator Loki. They need to get out of there before the reality-eating creature Alioth destroys them. Back at the Time Variance Authority, Judge Renslayer explains to Sylvie that the pruned timelines and variants are sent to the void at the end of time. Loki is alive, but there's no way to get there and back. Renslayer, using Miss Minute, keeps Sylvie busy looking for files on the imaginary void time machine to distract her while her team arrives to recapture her. But Sylvie takes the judge's tempad and prunes herself. 
As a war for power breaks out between the distrustful Lokis, Sylvie arrives at the Void and connects with Alioth, where she sees a world beyond. As she makes her escape from Alioth, she is saved by Mobius M. Mobius in his pizza car. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the TVA, Renslayer sets a lengthy task for Miss Minutes to gather all the data on the beginning of the TVA and interrogates Hunter B-15. But B-15 realises the judge is desperately looking for information on who created the Timekeepers. Back at the end of time, Loki plans to kill Alia thinking he can wrest back control of the Void. But Sylvie realises that working together, they can enchant it, bringing it under their control and escape from their prison. Loki gives the stolen temper to Mobius so he can return to the TVA. Classic Loki uses his glorious magical power to create a replica of Asgard. This distracts Alioth long enough to give Sylvie and Loki time to control one of its branches. As they enchant Alioth, the angry cloud turns green and begins to dissipate. As the cloud rolls back, a hidden castle is revealed at the centre of the beast. Will they find the true timekeepers, or their creator? Yeah, it's a really big episode here uh, with lots and lots going on in every single corner of the screen. There is absolutely no way we've gotten all of the little references and little uh, things going <laughs> on here. I think I've watched it three times now already, and it's only the day it came out. And I was literally going, ooh, could that be uh, such and such a place from such and such a movie? Or is that a reference or is that a comic book character? So I'm sure there's loads of stuff we're going to miss. But we will talk about our major points from the episode, our top five variants, as we're calling them, for the Loki episodes. And we'll talk about a couple of notes, uh, a couple of things that we picked up. But if you've, if there's anything that we miss, we'd love to hear from you as well. Make sure you email us in uh, with anything we may have missed before the finale. Uh, let's get on to our variant point number one, our variant number one, the story of the Lokis. Um, we ended off last episode with our introduction to... Uh, to uh, three or actually four variant Lokis um, and we get kind of their story here this is pretty much where the episode starts with the stories of each of the Lokis I, I have to say this was really really cool I think Kid Loki absolutely looked the part mm -hmm. I love that they integrated Alligator Loki um, into this episode with his grunts and his snarls yeah. that were being interpreted by classic Loki. Um, I thought that was really, really good because, um, dare I say, I think this is probably the cutest, uh, Loki, um, or alligator that I've, I've seen. Um, it <laughs> just really, um, was the part, but poor alligator Loki basically ate the wrong neighbor's cat. Um, <laughs> so finds himself being, um, you know, abducted by the TVA mm -hmm. and then pruned. I mean, I can't imagine that you'd give or be able to give too much of a defense, uh, given that it's an animal. Um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think how, um, it can project possibly some of its magic or whether, as we see in this episode, it is just the brute, uh, bite down force of mm -hmm. the alligators. A jaw that that does it. We we see him snap off um the hand of President Loki, yes, we do. and uh, he also goes after boastful Loki's hand as well. So uh, yes, um it's but it isn't just the red stuff, i.e. blood that he likes. Um mm. he does like a drop of old red as well in terms of wine, he in terms does. of you know the finest 
box of wine that you get at the uh, end of time uh, yeah. just before the void i feel like um people are pruding boxes of wine because they don't <laughs> fit into the sacred timeline <laughs> probably yeah though no, it's it's really good fun with that uh, with that moment because you see the connection between all the lokis all of them sitting around drinking their wine of course kid loki can't drink wine so he's drinking uh, a fruit juice box uh, which is yeah icy, isn't it? very um, cool so, that black currant i guess <laughs> so kind of i guess so i guess so uh, yeah but we find out his backstory as well kid loki uh, getting a lot of respect from classic loki finding out that uh, the reason why he's here is because well he took thor out uh, obviously a, a fight between the two kids uh, when they were younger uh, turned into kid loki killing thor yeah and um also did i understand it right i'm sure classic loki said this is his world it felt mm-hmm. like this planet that they're on yeah um, um, is Kid Loki's. Oh, that's what I thought he said, but I'm not entirely sure now. The way I took that was in terms of age. Um, that Kid Loki's obviously the youngest, so he may have been the one that's been there longest. Uh, if you noticed during that whole scene when, uh, the, when Loki is getting the stories from each of the other Lokis, uh, Kid Loki is sitting in the, um, in the throne, uh, that he's created for himself effectively. So I think, he, classic Loki's deferring to him because he's one of the more recent ones there and Kid Loki's been there the whole time and has made the place his kingdom effectively um, so we see the kind of uh, the challenge between them we'll talk about that in another point later on but effectively I think Kid Loki is the ruler here because he may have been here longest and has survived longest and has kind of helped the other ones out. That's why Classic Loki defers to him effectively. Yeah. And also, of course, he killed his brother Thor, making him second in line to the throne, Voden. So he would be uh, higher up in the succession order, let's say. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I guess one step closer to, to the throne. Is it um, regicide when you kill the first in line to the throne as Thor is? No, regicide is killing the, killing the king. Okay. And um, so this is just plain old murder, brother side, I guess, but or fratricide maybe is, so. is yeah. uh, the term for it. Uh-huh. Um, but certainly, um, yes, he he is kind of you know he because down in their bunker he he sits on his throne drinking his his fruit juice. Yeah. So um, you also have then boastful Loki here who basically lies. Um, it is really just a bit of a player as well um i mean i guess all the lokis are but his 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 um his playerness is the fact that he's lying you know he says he he's killed captain america and iron man i do love uh loki's look uh, as he says this kind yeah. of like going wow and this is where also we get alligator loki's first attack uh to the wrist yes. as he's kind of yeah and his his comment that classic loki mentions which is he's a liar <laughs> he's just making it up basically. yeah i think i think when he takes it one step even further and says that he's gotten all six of the uh of the infinity stones as well it's probably everybody going yeah. well hang on a second this is way too far for someone who's been pruned from the timeline to have taken out captain america iron man and gotten the six stones probably not true so uh yeah and then we hear the story of classic loki and what happened to him and i think his is the most interesting story it's the wonderful richard e grant playing the role of course yeah. so uh so he does get probably the biggest story i love the the play politeness of uh, of our loki as he asks the question of classic loki because he's saying to him basically you look a lot older than i am how did that happen yeah <laughs> the way that he says it is like um well i i'm expected to die at this moment when thanos kills me and you clearly didn't die at that moment <laughs> is, is the way that he explains it which i think is really interesting but what we find is that classic loki uh didn't 
try and kill Thanos at that moment. He uh, hid out among the, on the Asgardian ship, played dead, and uh, pretended to be rubbish, effectively. Dumped out into space, <laughs> yeah. uh, hid there, and eventually just hid on a planet for a very, very long time. Yes, no, he yeah, he escaped Thanos as an inanimate object. Yes. Um, and then just passed his days out on a planet away from everything. Um, mm-hmm. And... but. Ultimately, the TVA catches up with him because he missed his brother. He yep. missed Thor. Uh, and in trying to get off the planet that he had sort of isolated himself on, the TVA showed up and, and effectively pruned him. So yep. uh, that's uh, that's classic Loki's story. I mean, just to say, you know, to agree with you, you know, Richard E. Grant is just great here. Just some of his mannerisms, um, you know, his great moment here were, um, Loki is kind of all upbeat, you know, we've got to go and do something. Um, <laughs> it looks like they, you know, trying to sort of rally the troops, yeah. get the four Lokis, uh, on his side and they just laugh and classic Loki just like, lifts up his his cloak and sits himself back down on one of those kind of mangled um recliners with yeah. with the footstool uh, just really really good i think as well you know in the, the the stories of these four lokis with the absurdity of the situation you know that they're they're running from death all the time by keeping a low profile from alioth this living tempest, as they call him, um, you know, that they're in the tank with the shark. Uh, I, it, it, it's just the absurdity, the ridiculousness, the daftness of this whole situation. Yeah. Um, some of their stories, um, but this is what makes this whole episode so good. The whole episode is just kind of crazy, really. And, and just, I mean, I, I thought I'd gone back in time to Easter. I mean, it is an Easter egg hunt within (laughs) a TV show. I mean, I actually think, you know, you, you see movies come out in the MCU. You saw it with WandaVision. Mm -hmm. You saw it with, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and it's about seeing those little snippets, those kind of the poster or the something on the desk or the one liner or some reference or something sort of just slightly in, in the corner of the shot. Mm-hmm. This is that magnified. This is kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if we just did, um, an episode that had that in every shot almost, <laughs> um, yeah. by having this, this planet where things are just dumped they yeah. fall out of the sky you know we see a u.s naval um ship falling from the sky uh the uss uh eldridge mm-hmm. and just it allows for all these things that you, you i mean you you are having to question yourself as you said there's just so many yeah um the but well, the whole uh, time i was there going they're inside a bowling alley um that seems to have seems to have materialized in the void here and that's what they're that's what they're setting up their camp in and i'm going was there any point in the MCU where a bowling alley was a central, to, a central moment to one of the movies? Is that what this is a reference to? Why is it a bowling alley? What's written on the wall in the background the whole time? Well, it really does make you make you want to check out every single second of the of every frame of it. Yeah. Well, that's it. It was even just before they go into battle, and they're sat in a barber shop that just seems to be on the top of a hillside, mm-hmm. and you've got um, Loki and Sylvie outside. All the others are inside chatting. And I was thinking. Yeah. Is that 
the barbershop from Luke Cage, you <laughs> know, it pops barbershop. <laughs> Is that what, you know, I was trying to think, was there a swear jar in there when we were in there with classic Loki mm-hmm. and Mobius and kid Loki? It, it was just, you began to think of all these different references as you were watching yeah. this episode, which I have to say, I just thought was really Really good. I really enjoyed that about this episode. Yes, yes. I have, I have a feeling. I was saying to John after we watched this the first time that uh, there had there has been a big break for the um, for the production. Obviously, they they did film a lot of it back in 2019. They filmed the end of it uh, coming towards the end of last year. There's specifically one of the scenes where all the four Lokis are sitting around. The one where Kid Loki's sitting in the throne, which you can tell was filmed separately. You can tell there were probably undercover restrictions when they're filming, just because of the placement of the, of the characters. But it makes you think that some of the guys who are working on the um, on the special effects at home. We're probably going, well, we can add in a little bit of extra uh, yeah. stuff from our computer what, here. What can here, we, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> what can we litter this planet with from the Marvel universe? Exactly. I mean, literally. Um, so yeah, great stuff. And, um, but I think onto variant number two, mm-hmm. uh, Sylvie prunes herself effectively. Yeah. Like this was kind of, you know, following up from the end of last week's episode. Once again, we have, um, Judge Renslayer and Sylvie's the standoff between the two of them. We had the big question at the end of the episode, how much information is going to be shared from Judge Renslayer to, to Sylvie? And the answer was sadly not very much because Renslayer is, is saying she doesn't know anything more, really. She's telling Sylvie that she doesn't know anything at all about who the, uh, the actual timekeepers are, whether they, whether they exist at all or who's in control of, or of them or who their contra- creators are. Again, Renslayer seems like she's a very untrustworthy character. Doesn't feel like what she's saying is very truthful anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm still not sure by the end of the episode and what she actually knows and what she, what she doesn't know. Even with that conversation with Hunter B15, I feel like she's interrogating for information. There's moments there with Miss Minutes where she's asking her to go and find all of this information. Then you see a little smile creep across her face when Miss Minutes says it's going to take a lot of time and disappears. And I'm wondering, is she trying to, keep Miss Minutes occupied because she actually has another plan going on, you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one that, I mean, definitely, you know, Renslayer here is like, is she, isn't she trustworthy? Mm -hmm. You know, um, does she know, doesn't she know? I mean, the huge question marks over her. I mean, you get the tropey sort of grin to camera when she asks Miss Minute for um, the, as you say, all the files going back to how the TVA was created. Uh, so th- there is this feeling that she's using Miss Minute to to stall, and um, certainly when Sylvie is there, so that yes, her team definitely. can come. But there is part of it where I was going, but is Miss Minute in on this? Because it's Miss Minute that mentions about this void machine yeah. to go, and Renslayer sort of takes that up, and that's obviously a huge red herring. There isn't one. Yeah. It it is um the lie, um, and it's one that Sylvie sees through. Yeah, but that Miss Minutes is using to cover up while she's while she's called the guards to take out Sylvie. Yeah. yeah. So I I was just thinking I I suddenly thought oh is Miss Minute more of a player here the mm-hmm. like the voice of Miss Minute is will that ultimately be a clue to who's behind 
the the green curtain as we've been saying like with the wizard of oz or behind the angry cloud i guess mm-hmm. uh, as we see from this episode uh with um alioth and and that that void cloud but that was the other side of this that not just renslayer i mean renslayer is massively dodgy in this yeah but it, it's also um with miss minis as well just because she was the one that kind of and maybe that's all it was was just to keep the time dare I say it, ticking down for the TVA agents to come yeah. and effectively uh, recapture Sylvie, you know, and, yeah. and rescue Renslayer effectively. Yeah. But certainly, um, yes, Renslayer is highly dodgy yeah. here. I, I do like that Sylvie calls out that, you know, potentially did she give her too much information? Could she have gone too close to the bone? Could she have revealed too much like Loki does, in fact, still exist in the void? And she actually takes a big gamble on it. She prunes herself. She takes herself out of the TVA and sends herself to possibly death um, if she thinks that uh, that Renslayer had given her wrong information. So she does believe that Renslayer has given her the right information that Loki's still alive and he's off in the void. So she takes it on herself and, and prunes herself. I did find it interesting that she was able to take the temp pad with her from uh, from um Renslayer the one that she's that she took from her beforehand because I was kind of going does that mean that every uh hunter or every agent that's been uh pruned over the course of the last couple of episodes has their temp pad with them Moby's didn't uh have his one with him because he would have been able to come back immediately um but do any did any of the rest of them have their temp pads with them but I, I think a TVA pruning is probably much rarer and if it's done it's yeah. done in a controlled way as much as possible in- so we took out two or three of them a couple episodes ago though that's why i was wondering whether they had well that's true that's true yeah. um but then it's also it seems that you know the whole um explanation from renslayer about this this point uh in at the end of time with the void is that people really don't survive very long yeah. because of this all-consuming living tempest that is Alioth, which, I mean, was very coolly uh, rendered. But you're right. I think, you know, Sylvie does also take quite a bit of what Renslayer says on trust. And it, mm-hmm. it seems to me, though, it it where Renslayer kind of, rev- com, you know, kind of almost maybe reneges, maybe she is thinking that she will work with Sylvie because she wants to know. Yeah. But... It's also, I'm thinking that she may actually know because it's when Sylvie's describing about, um, because this is at the end of time, you can never have a Nexus event because everything's always newly created. It's always new time. Yeah. And so that's where they would be. That's where people go that can't be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's and you know there's kind of like a timeline just up on screen, and it's as she's, um, you know she's kind of logically Sylvie going through what Renslayer has said, and it's, yeah. and it, it almost felt to me that she had hit on something that Renslayer understood, and then you know it suddenly became about the time machine, and that's when Miss Minute comes in and says. Oh, you know, lies about the time machine. And, and lies about the time machine. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, which side of the fence, um, Renslayer is on is, is still up for grabs. Maybe she is just that loyal bureaucrat, that administrator that is just all about her duty. Yeah. And um, so I think that will come because, you know, 
when she goes to question B15, who has been imprisoned, mm-hmm. it is that you know, B- B15 also uh, sees that Renslayer is, is, you know, looking to find out, firstly, what drives Sylvie, yeah. which she explains is revenge, mm-hmm. uh, but also it's because she needs the information to find out also who had created these android simple simple android timekeepers yeah these decoys um and you know i i do like that interaction with b15 uh where she says you know you'll never beat her to to that goal of finding out who because yeah. whilst you want to because you want to know she needs to know because exactly, she's been yeah. driven by revenge. So yeah. her her impetus is just that much more forceful exactly. uh, as to her, how she goes about it, which I thought yeah. was really, really good. Absolutely. And just, just, I suppose, a correction to something I said last week as well. I think I, I mentioned that, you know, young Sylvie being plucked from Asgard and then going, um, traveling around through these events and being hidden from uh, the TVA. I said that's probably like 15 or 20 years maybe because... The actress was, is about 10 who's playing her. And, and uh, now the actress, uh, Sophie DiMartino, is, is in her uh, 20s, 30s kind of age group. Um, I completely forgot that she's a Loki and Loki's age different time. So she could have been doing this for thousands of years or a thousand years, could have been yeah. traveling and jumping around. So that's why she has so much knowledge about what's going on with these apocalypses, because she could have been traveling around them for many, many years. Um, well, well, that's it. And I mean, that comes to the point where Renslayer says, you know, I won't prune you. I'll just put you into time loop, yeah. which will be, you know, you'll be able to deal with, you know, so long as you can find a happy memory from mm-hmm. your long existence of being on the run, being tracked and haunted by the TVA. And, you know, you, you see Sylvie hidden behind the judge's counter um, in the courtroom of the TVA, kind of going, you know, you, you see kind of the pain on her face and then it's, well, I have one mm-hmm. I'm thinking to the Nexus event, I guess. Is it that? Uh, well, who, is it? I, I, I guess so. Could have been playing with um, her toys in Asgard. It uh, could be. Being yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's interesting, yeah. um, I think. They do hide a little bit in this episode of it and dance around uh, the, the point of that Nexus event, don't they? Um, a little bit. Don't, don't call it out as being a, a massive moment. They kind of say it's a nice moment, but maybe yeah. not the greatest moment. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Sylvia arrives at, at the void and we have have um I, i'm gonna call this whole kind of segment on sylvie's storyline is very much harry potter and the chamber of secrets uh, because she arrives uh at a bus uh we see uh we see trains around a lot as well uh and uh mobius arrives to save her in a car that looks very very similar to the car that ron weasley drove in uh, chamber of secrets to except with a big pizza slice on top on a spring slice. which yes. i love that's very cool it's very cool um but picks her up and the reason why Sylvie's here is because she's trying to find the fortress that's hidden behind the big cloud that is Aliot. She calls Aliot the guard dog, um, protecting the, the way into this, uh, into this fortress, which is very like the Chamber of Secrets. Remember, yeah. a massive guard dog sitting in front of the Chamber of Secrets. But she well. doesn't know that until she comes through, yeah. because as she comes through, she, makes contact with Alias where yeah. she, she enchants it briefly and, and sees through um, the, the, this angry cloud exactly. and, and sees the castle. Um, you know, so that's, that's how she, she knows in that sense, you know, she didn't know that she was looking for a castle yeah. when she prunes herself. She's 
just thinking that that is the ideal place were someone who has created these timekeepers or the timekeepers themselves, the Mm -hmm. real ones, can hide without anything being seen um, because you can never have a Nexus event. Exactly. Um, Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool as she, she comes through. I thought, yeah, Mobius coming and saving her was was great as well i liked just that you know i liked their little chat i thought that was really important for mobius where you know i can change my mind you know a lot of stuff going on here with the loki's and that is about and the same with the sacred timeline is that you're fixed in that yeah. you somehow can't go back on something that maybe you regret or you felt you dealt with badly that you can't kind of put that to rest that you're always there you know we have classic loki saying you know we're we're the god uh we're the god of survivors and the god of outcasts you know that they can't not be anything but that and you know it's same with the god of mischief it it kind of um imprisons them almost and mm. i think that's really good and I, I think that conversation in the barbershop between mobius and classic loki where mm-hmm. he says it's never too late to change and you know we see um classic loki coming to um cause the distraction and to sacrifice himself later on that we'll come to yeah. in our final variant um it, it's you know it, it's 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 kind of very much i think uh around that you know yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that this kind of these moments are realized by all of the Lokis once they're out of time, effectively, which is uh, which is what's happening, I suppose, with with these scenes. Uh, let's go on to variant number three. Uh, just to have a little uh, side excursion uh, to see that some Lokis don't always change. <laughs> so uh, no, exactly. So we have President Loki's attack here. Um, Definitely felt like they've been trolling us since, uh, for a couple of months since before Loki came out with this image of President Loki, which is a comic book, uh, that, that people, people are very well, uh, aware of. And this image of this version of Tom Hiddleston's Loki with the little crown on and the, uh, vote Loki president, uh, a badge that he's wearing. And it turns out that this is just an extra variant, um, that is looking for, looking to take over, uh, the planet for himself. But, uh, but I kind of like this because, this is the constant joke of Loki that he is always looking for a way to backstab even his closest allies effectively. So what we have here is boastful Loki who's made a, a pact with President Loki to effectively hand over, um, the other Loki's tomb so that boastful Loki can now become, uh, become king of the void. Um, he takes over from kid Loki as we talked about earlier on. Uh, and then during the whole, discussion president loki turns on him again and says no actually it's going to be me that will take it over because i have the army and then his army turns on him and goes no no actually (laughs) we're going to take over from you now that you've taken out the loki's horse and a a little a a little fight ensues in the bunker effectively so uh, i thought this was a a really good fun moment seeing that side of the loki's again because you know the loki that we're seeing here is developing way beyond uh, the one that we've seen in the movies now yeah, the, definitely. throughout these episodes of the show we've seen a lot more of this Loki got to like him a lot but there is something fundamentally fun about a character that is that you can't trust at all and could just backstab anybody around him so so seeing that side of him still there or that side of uh, a Loki uh, still present on screen is lots of fun yeah exactly um, and it, it, it comes I think to that point about change as we were saying again you know we, we, we're seeing a lot of that with our Loki mm-hmm. we see classic Loki changing in, in this episode effectively 
he's very downbeat and melancholic in a sense about Loki's almost as a race that, you know, we, we just, um, we're, we're never going to get a a break. Um, you know, even when we've tried to, um, as soon as you try and change, that's why the TVA come and effectively take us out of the sacred timeline. How can we ever change from the people that we are? If we don't have, if we we don't, if we don't get the repercussions of making a change, they just get plucked from the timeline. Cause right at the start, remember of this series, we had Mobius saying to Loki that your whole purpose, your glorious purpose as it is, is to make other people look good is to make the heroes go on to their destinies of being great people and that's your end, effectively. Yeah, which is to the point, how did President Loki then get uh, caught up with the TVA? Because it sounds like he is literally um, performing to type. So, yeah. yes, interesting. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, Loki's supposed to achieve that level of office, let's say. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, that's true. the reason. So, uh, But yeah, I just, just really liked it. I like kind of the, the start of the battle, effectively, is what you mentioned earlier on, uh, Alligator Loki taking the hand of President Loki, because Tom Hiddleston's reaction to realising he's lost a hand is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really good fun. Really good fun. Uh, speaking of Loki has changed, as, as I mentioned earlier on, that is our varied four, uh, is just the the realization that this is a new Loki that we have now. He's gone yes. through a lot uh, over his time. He's, he's made a friend in Mobius, lost him, um, made a, a companion in Sylvie. And um, I suppose the conversation between Sylvie and himself, the stop before the battle, the, uh, the, the uh, what's it, the breath before the deep plunge, as they say, um, that moment where we have them discussing each other, discussing with each other about the Nexus event and the theory that Mobius has. It's odd that they don't spell it out, that, that, that we don't hear Mobius saying the theory out loud, that he thinks the two of them have fallen in love. Is that what it is? But you can get that. You know, it's, it's there. But, but it's the classic awkwardness yeah, here yeah. of it is you know thou shall not be spoken and um, <laughs> like they say everything else you know oh well we can still be friends and you know it ends up being you know this heart this awkward heart to heart ends up being oh well, we can work it out um once this is all finished you know yeah. deferring it even to later yeah. um even if they may not survive their attack on alioth yeah. um so it, it's just that wonderful um i guess awkwardness about yeah. this exchange between sylvie and loki which i really really liked yeah. and um, you even hear sylvie say to him that she's never had any friends at all and she had never had any partner at all. I think in the past he'd asked her and she'd said, Oh, I've got a postman waiting for me somewhere, uh, in, an, in another, in another place that she's able to jump to. But now she's admitting actually she's never had any friends at all. Um, this is her first kind of relationship in any sense, uh, with Loki. And of course it comes back to, well, she's a Loki. She knows what he does. And she's really worried, um, about trusting a Loki effectively because she asks him, what happens? Are you going to backstab me effectively? Are you going to turn on me at the last minute like I would and like all the other Lokis have done yeah. so many times before? Are you going to turn on me? Um, and that's where we hear the explanation from Loki saying he has changed. He understands why he did that to everybody now. Um, and he's changed. He's become a new person. Um, which I think is a, a big, it's a big revelation for this story. This is why this series exists effectively is to give you a development of the Loki. That yeah, we're... it is. It's the two Lokis working together um i think that brings us on to variant five which is um we, we're calling it classic loki sacrifice mm-hmm. but it is the plan it is sylvie and loki also working together i think there's really 
Firstly, I do think as they're describing the plans, um, you know, it, it's really good because Loki's in there. He's treating it like an animal, you know, let him go after the big, uh, the big feed of whatever happens. We can go in the back and, you know, rip out its heart, yeah. kill its brain or, or whatever you need to do. And, and Sylvie arrives having had the conversations with Renslayer yeah. where it's like, you know, what you're going to paper cut a cloud to death um <laughs> that was your plan you know and it's going to cue um the three other loki's kid loki gator loki and um classic loki kind of saying well we were having our doubts kind exactly. of thing certainly after seeing the uss eldridge fall down and we, and we do get a sense of sort of the instant um, turning, you know, where the, the crew members of that ship are turning instantly to skeletons yeah. as they're enveloped by the cloud, which is really, really cool, um, sort yeah. of, uh, special effects, yeah, really. Very Pirates of the Caribbean, um, I thought. It, it really yeah. was. Um, but uh, it's, you know, because it, it, it comes to, you know, Sylvie does have the better plan, but yeah. it comes to Loki's retort, which is very, Loki, it's the Lokiest of Lokis <laughs> that he could say, which was like, you know, hey, hang on a second. I've been down here longer than you. Therefore, I know more about this place than, than you do. And of course he doesn't, but it's such a child. It, it's almost <laughs> regressing back despite having just said he's just changed. And I thought that was just a really great line that yeah. just sums up, uh, Loki. You know, that, that little, that ego is still in there. Um, and it, it's, you know, Sylvie's plan is effectively to enchant, uh, Alioth and, um, in, in order to be able to control it and, mm-hmm. and effectively destroy it or at least show them, uh, the route to get inside yes. of whatever he, the, the cloud is protecting. Exactly. To create a path to the castle effectively. But there's also another big lesson, uh, that they learn here from classic Loki. They're looking for a distraction to keep uh, Alioth occupied because, as you say, the USS uh, Eldridge didn't uh, last very long, about no. three and a half seconds, not long enough to get to the other side. And classic Loki sacrifices himself by building this amazing recreation of um, of Asgard uh, in the middle of, of the void, which is going to be attacked instantly by Alioth because that's the bigger threat. That's the bigger thing to go after, effectively. Um, we heard earlier on from Loki that he was able to create a, a much more powerful projection of himself than he'd ever been able to do before when he was up against Thanos enough to to um escape Thanos yeah, basically exactly enough for Thanos a, a, a mad a, a massive being to not be able to tell the difference between the two which shows the amount of power that classic Loki has available to him and that in turn tells Loki that actually maybe we're much more powerful than we think we are yeah and I, I think what's really good here as well is for me it, it's it's ramping up the idea that Loki is a magical being. Yes, mm-hmm. we've seen him disappear. We we see him able to project, but you're getting the sense with with the scale of what classic Loki can project, um, and also the enchantments that Sylvie can do. Yeah. You know, it, it's this gradual building up of the idea that these the gods of mischief that Loki of them in and of himself and of themselves, as you say are much more stronger than they have realized previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tale of, of classic Loki at the start, you know, where he says blades are worthless um, mm-hmm. and they blunt our magical potential because we're constantly looking at 
at the at the blades and using the blades kid loki goes but yeah they're cool you know and he gives actually loki uh, a blade That's to right. go into battle uh, with alioth or against alioth but um I, I loved um classic loki's retort you know blades are, are worthless um they may look cool but it doesn't help when they fall to the ground, yeah. you know, and you, and you die. Um, it doesn't help. And that there's all this magical potential within a Loki more than they realize. Mm-hmm. So it, this is really interesting because I, I guess they're drawing out the more magical, mystical side of, of Loki. Yes, you know, are. he has been the Sorcerer Supreme. That's exactly what I was going to say. Lo- Loki, Sorcerer Supreme is coming. Remember, we, we did find yeah. out Doctor Strange is not the Sorcerer Supreme in the MCU. He is just a sorcerer. He hasn't become the Sorcerer Supreme. That title is up for grabs. Maybe they're setting up Loki as uh, well, being another they, they person could be, ready for that title. It, they could be, but it, it it it's really you know really cool. And then you get this huge change from with classic Loki. You know, we were mentioning that you know Loki has changed. You know, he knows why he's backstabbed everyone. He mm-hmm. knows that. You know, he, he hasn't had friends. He hasn't had relationships in the way that maybe he would fight differently. And here, you know, classic Loki along with, uh, Gator and kid Loki, they were all heading off into the sunset. As classic Loki said, I've never walked towards this before. I've never walked towards Alioth before. Yeah. Uh, it's always been to walk away. And, um, he comes in and it's just, it's fantastically done mm-hmm. with him creating Asgard. It was uh, to be this distraction whilst Sylvie and, uh, Loki try and make that enchantment connection with Alioth. Uh, and that's, that's the other thing is, Sylvie encouraging Loki mm-hmm. to believe that he can do this. He says, I, you know, I've never done this before. She goes, but you are me. Yeah. You can do this. And, um, and it's, this is all again, just making lovely magical swirls in my mind um, <laughs> about the potential of how they can connect in with yeah. the other magic users in the MCU, whether it be Doctor Strange or Wanda, you know, it mm-hmm. just, it, it's really, um, adding some lovely thoughts in my mind as to where this next phase of the movies can go. Absolutely. Whether absolutely. they go there now is another matter entirely, <laughs> but nonetheless, but yeah. Hopefully that'll be a tie in somewhere, uh, as we get on towards the last episode of next week. Um, yeah, and we see them, uh, kind of getting through the, getting through the cloud and seeing the castle on the other side. Uh, yeah. I know I said this out loud and I'll just repeat it on the podcast. Oh, um, do, because I love the idea, but I don't think it it's is. It's not at all. It's not at all. No, I, see, yeah, I know it's not. Seeing this amazing castle uh, sitting on its own, uh, looking in a stony area, made me think of Doctor Doom's castle from Latveria in the comic books. And then, of course, made me think of John's theory that Doctor Doom is going to be coming up in these shows, which we don't think really is going to happen. But no. Wouldn't it be cool if Doctor Doom was just sitting in there? That's the thing. As soon as you <laughs> said it, I was like... That does look like kind of, uh, you know, an Eastern European castle mm-hmm. sat almost at the edge of the universe, the edge of time. Um, I was thinking this is like crazy. Yeah. Um, it looks so out of place because as well, I also thought that I did see ships taking off from it as well yeah. I, I wasn't entirely sure yeah. it was difficult to make out but it was like the word you know transport ships or supply ships or something sort of taking off about three of them from 
uh, part of it. And so I was just thinking, as soon as you said Doom, I just was like, that would be awesome. But it's not. <laughs> it's You're not, right. It can't be. But it might be. You never know. <laughs> this is Marvel. They may have uh, that in episode six. We'll have to do it there. Yeah, but, um, but Sylvie and Loki have pulled back the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think uh, this is really, really interesting. Yes, we'll have to wait till next week to see. But a lot. I think this, this was a really fun episode. Lots going on. And as we said, uh, stuff in every quarter uh, of each of the episodes. A couple of notes about the episode. Okay. Loads um, of notes. We have to call out because I know uh, lots of people were really excited about seeing this. Um, we mentioned it last episode when we saw what we thought was crocodile Loki or alligator Loki that uh, Thor has in the past been a frog uh, called Throg. And we actually see him in this episode. There's a moment of transition when you go from above ground to below ground and you see Mjolnir. And right beside Mjolnir, you see a jar which contains Thor. And when you pause it, or when you slow it down, you see that it's actually a frog with his little helmet on, uh, bouncing, trying to reach me yes. on there. Poor little thing, trapped in a it's jar. It's Throg. It is yeah. Frog Thor. Yeah. I was wondering whether, is he worthy? Because it's so close to Molnir, and yet he couldn't move it. He is worthy, and that's how he's become Thor, but potentially the reason why he's here on this planet is because he became unworthy for some reason and is no longer able to summon that, Mjolnir. That Maybe that's it. it. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, it was just like he was so close yet so far because it wasn't able to just sort of pull yep. Mjolnir to him to break the glass and escape the jar because I was thinking, I guess time's running out for Throg uh, as the oxygen would go well, maybe, pretty quickly. Maybe. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. No, exactly. Uh, don't there, think there about are it. the Pet Avengers. He is a member of the Pet Avengers. Hopefully uh, he'll get off uh, this planet as well. We might see him next episode. You never know. <laughs> We also see the Thanos copter, a little yes. helicopter that has Thanos written on it that actually did exist in the comic books. There is a, yeah, there is a, there is a, a helicopter that Thanos used to drive, used to fly around in. Um, I think this is partly to do with, uh, back in the eighties, they used to, um, toyify everything. So you would get, uh, vehicles for every single character in all comic books. So there's probably a Thanos helicopter because they needed some kind of vehicle for Thanos to, definitely, to be in. you wouldn't have had Thanos in a chair as your vehicle. Definitely. Um, we also do get to see a, if not the Sanctum Santorum in the, uh, destroyed city. As you, and Derek seems to think that there's more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure I saw them. Uh, it just seemed like kind of round skylights, but yeah, with just a single piece of metal across them. So I'm not entirely sure they were, but certainly, um, it looks like a, a Sanctum Santorum is there because I, I was trying to see if I could see the the seal of Vashanti, but it wasn't that kind of um, clear that it was the seal of Vashanti. Mm-hmm. But it, it may have been broken. Technically, it could be. Um, but as we know, there are other seals at yes. the other Sanctum. So it is at least a Sanctum, if not the Sanctum from Santorum from Doctor Strange <laughs> in, in, in the sort of... Uh, destroyed city as you get that wonderful kind of spinning camera work mm. right at the start, which I really, really enjoyed actually, uh, as it, it, it spun through the TVA to the timekeeper's, uh, golden doors with the Mobius, uh, symbol, the eternity symbol in mm. triangular form. Uh, and then it pans through on, um, through this destroyed city yeah. we see avengers tower again um as well yeah to to the right as we go through we see the 
a sanctum, the yep. sanctum sanctorum. Um, and I'm sure there are tons of other stuff that we didn't uh, capture there yeah. for sure yeah, even that initial building the first one that you see i don't i just don't recognize it as being a building that we've seen so far and it may be something coming up in future movies or something uh potentially but um it's a, it's a very striking looking building before the sanctum it's the first one that you see i just couldn't think what it, what it was so. you had an interesting one from ant-man as well there's one i'm almost certain i saw because it was I, after watching it a couple of a couple of times there's a massive helmet that's sitting on the ground um, as the Mobi- as the Lokis are, are walking together. And I, I'd seen it a couple of times. The colours are yellow and black. And then suddenly it came to me uh, that this seems like Yellow Jacket, except a giant Yellow Jacket. Because we know from Ant-Man, he can become Giant Man. So potentially this is a universe where Yellow Jacket became a giant yellow jacket, effectively. So, uh, so that that's one I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, that, that's that's cool. That that's kind of very close to the Thanos copter, I think. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, these aren't canon. That's the best part about this planet. These are things that they can actually throw in there that don't necessarily have to appear anywhere else because they're just giving references to these were things that were pulled out of the timelines, effectively, which is which is great fun uh, to be able to do as well. Um, last one for me, uh, probably just a reference in the in the title of the episode, uh, Journey into Mystery. Uh, was the first Marvel Silver Age appearance of Loki and Asgard uh, appeared in the in the pages of Journey into Mystery, which I think eventually became Thor, um, uh, the comic book. So that's where Thor first appeared as well. Um, but I think that's that's where he started, and that eventually became the Thor comic book. But uh, Loki appeared in there. That's the name of the episode as well, Journey into Mystery. Excellent stuff. Yeah, the the final one I have really is just on the USS Eldridge, um, the normal battleship but it was a huge hoax around it that um the u.s navy were experimenting with new technology to and had made it invisible Mm. and that no one could see it but it is a hoax uh, for sure and effectively like most naval um boats and and ships that haven't been destroyed in war um it saw out its days until it was decommissioned and but interestingly that they should um that the tva should pluck uh that bit of uh rubbish off from the sacred timeline (laughs) and dump it in in this place so you mean this is the one that did have a um cloaking device it could actually have had (laughs) it yeah exactly for the timeline (laughs) maybe that was it uh there you go i think that's it for the episode uh sad to say goodbye to uh to some of the characters in this episode sad to say goodbye classic loki i think uh, richard grant was wonderful in in this episode really really good but having that big moment it's his it's his mcu role and having a big uh moment to save the main our main characters as well i think it was a great way to go out for for richard e grant in here john overall do you defend loki episode five journey into mystery i absolutely do defend this episode uh, i absolutely loved it uh it was daft it was ridiculous it was a smorgasbord of easter eggs mm-hmm. um I would give this five angry clouds out of five. Um, I just loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought Richard E. Grant, uh, Kid Loki uh, and Gator Loki were phenomenal. Um, I just loved how they were used in this episode. Effectively, you know, we won't see them again. Yeah. Um, and certainly with classic Loki, I love that they gave him this great sacrifice that 
he wanted to change as well. He's along with Sylvie showing the power that Lokis have with magic that go beyond what that, that I guess what they would consider more parlor tricks. I mean, you know, he opens up a gateway to escape the, the bunker that they're hunkering down in from the fight. Uh, once everyone's turned on one another with, when, with President Loki. Mm. So, a classic Loki, yes. Yeah. So right. it, it, it's, it's really, really good. Yep. You know, there's the, the, there's the, is she, isn't she, you know, very much Countessa, uh, kind of questioning herself about, for me as an audience member about what Renslayer is, you know, yes. it's that Contessa moment. Am I? Aren't I? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I am. Yeah, you know, it's like, what it is, yes. what is Renslayer? And <laughs> um, what are we going to see? And um, again, just, uh, I love the, the awkwardness of Sylvie and Loki sort of about talking about the Nexus moment. I like Mobius coming back here, um, having his moment with Sylvie in the car, you know, uh, again, changing his reality after changing other people's realities. And um, this, this was all about saying we're not stuck, um, in stone. We, we are able to be our own agents of change and, and, and do things. And I just absolutely loved it. And the battle at the end, um again was was lovely to reveal this antagonist i guess um who is it is it the timekeepers or is it the person that created the myth the legend of the timekeepers possibly killed them uh, at another stage so um i cannot wait for episode 6 i think this has absolutely everything i wanted from an episode it's got me salivating for episode 6 it it when you know straight in after episode four and just gave this daft ridiculous weird funny poignant and um, meaningful episode all the way through i thought the writing in this was excellent and yeah. um, i thought it was just superb um in in all cases excellent um so yeah i do defend this episode of loki derek do you I do defend this episode again, as exactly as you say, it's just a lot of fun, loads of stuff going on. And yeah, very poignant as well. There's lots of, lots of really fun moments in there, but what a penultimate episode leading us into the finale of our third Marvel series on the MCU. I can't wait uh, for next week for the next episode to pop up on Disney plus, uh, really looking forward to it. Um, as Chris isn't here, let's, uh, let's pop on over to the pub, John. Yes, absolutely. Fellow quizzers, fellow defenders, it is the pub quiz for episode five of mm-hmm. Loki Journey into Mystery. Um, and of course, question five. The question, how many Lokis do we see in this episode in the void at the end of time? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a fair few, a couple of extras added this episode. So, uh, just, just make sure your count's right. Um, but it's not thousands. <laughs> no, no, it certainly isn't. Keep your tally chart by your side just as you um, watch through the episode again. Exactly, exactly. And, of course, send in all of your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. That's the fifth question of six. One more question coming uh, in our final episode next week about Loki, and then we'll have a wrap-up episode as as usual. Uh, in that wrap-up, wrap-up episode, we will choose the winner of our goodie pack for Loki. So get all your answers in Um it's two weeks, yeah, two weeks from now. Uh, wow, I can't believe the show's almost over. I know. Uh, but John, do you want to give them the fifth question one more time? Yes, I will do. I, I should have said at the start, I hope you're all enjoying your box of wine uh, whilst you uh, 
ruminate on the pub quiz question. Uh-huh. Uh, but just to give that question again, how many Lokis do we see in this episode in the void at the end of time? I'm just hoping I've counted correctly, um, to be honest, uh, that I haven't missed any or haven't assumed anything too much. Um, but yes, get those answers in uh, to be in with a shout for the goodies uh, for this uh, season of Loki. Excellent. Thanks very much once again for the question for the uh, pub quiz. One more to go. Uh, looking forward to getting the f- final question and looking forward to finding out who the, uh, who the winner of the Loki goodies are for, uh, for this season. As it's the start of a new month, we want to say a huge thank you to all of those of you that supported us recently over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash TV podcast industries. It really helps us out when we're doing the podcast, really helps us take care of all those back end costs that are involved in, uh, in, in doing a podcast. So a huge thank you to Anthony Osler, Lawrence Kauser, Alex Baelish, 084, Thomas Vergreer, and John Daniel. Yeah, big thank you to everyone uh, for your your support through Patreon. It is, as we said at the, the start of the episode, it really is appreciated. And we just want to say a big thanks. You know, it uh, really helps with running the costs of mm-hmm. uh, the websites, of... of processing the the podcast and editing it uh, and dealing with technical stuff that we need to um, and and equipment from time to time so it's really really appreciated Uh, so a big thank you uh, to those six for their support uh, to us over on Patreon it's really appreciated and a big thank you as well to the existing patrons that we have that are sticking by us uh, and supporting us with our podcast again it it really is uh, appreciated so yeah a big thanks to to everyone over on Patreon. Yes, let's hear from some of our patrons and some of our fellow defenders as well. Let's get into some feedback about this episode of Loki and some of the previous episodes of Loki. Yes, first up, a voicemail from Ryan. How are you doing, guys? Ryan here. Sorry, I've been away for a while, been really busy and hadn't I haven't had a chance, sorry, to get any of my thoughts of the Loki show in before the podcast goes out. So apologies for that. But on the uh, subject of uh, feedback and stuff like that, I've really enjoyed you guys' reviews so far. As always, really, really going deep into into it and breaking it down for us. Also, the feedback of the listeners. I've really enjoyed it, this, this series. It seems seems to be like we've had loads more. So it's good to hear other voice notes and, uh, and other people's emails instead of hearing my voice all the time, which can be a bit... Bit, a bit annoying but hey ho you never know also the guy gentleman last week uh, i think his name was james he left a voice note and it was really really good i really enjoyed it what he said and what questions he had so yeah you carry on mate you said you might not do it again for a while so just to let you know there are defenders out there who who like what you did and um yeah enjoyed that so you guys carry on i'm going to send another voice note with my reviews because i'm not going to have time in the next one so speak to you in a minute Okay, guys, this is going to be my thoughts on episode one to four of Loki so far. Um, my thoughts, the beginning scene, episode four. I don't believe, like I've heard a lot, that it was Loki and Sylvie falling in love with each other, air quotes, that alerted the TVA to their presence. I believe it was them, either maybe Sylvie believing that she wasn't going to die, maybe them believing in themselves, some kind of belief, or maybe... It might have been a love, but maybe a self-love. I don't think it would be a romantic love. I just personally, I think it's a very silly thing for Marvel to do after 
all these years of people asking about Loki's sorry sexuality, for them to make it canon and tell us, yes, he's bisexual. And then the first thing to do is to make him fall in love with a woman. I just don't, I, I think that's, a, I think it's a bit of a, it's, it doesn't make any sense. That's just my opinion. Also, with regards to the timeline, I think when you see the cartoon in the first episode, you see the three timekeepers guarding the sacred timeline. Now, this timeline all weaves into one big timeline, which, in my opinion, it looks a bit like a kind of massive rope, like a battle rope you'll get. Uh, when you have all these little bits of rope weaved into one massive big rope, that's what I think the multiverse might be. I think the multiverse might be within what the timekeepers are looking at. And as long as it doesn't go too far out, they're happy with it. But listen, this program's crazy, but we're loving it. That's just my opinion so far. Thanks for everything, guys. Talk to you. Great to hear from you, Ryan. Thanks so much for setting in your voicemail to you. I know how busy everybody's getting uh, at the moment as well as everything going back a little more to normal. Um, and you're totally right. Yeah, that, that voicemail that we got from Samuel was great last week. And please send us in some more voicemails to us. And everybody, just email us to feedback at TV Podcast Industries with your voicemails if you ha- if you want to share them with us. We'd love to hear uh, more of your voices on the podcast as well. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no need to apologize, Ryan, for not being... Uh, back to us with feedback as often mm-hmm. as you need to and um, you know life does uh, go on which is a great thing to be saying uh, and of course um i love your rope th- analogy uh, and theory here mm. as to what the sacred timeline could be just m- many different threads making up the overall rope rather than it just being a single uh, piece i really really like that idea um, and i guess it even fits into the idea that you know the branches are almost sort of frayed parts of the rope that you know where if you cut into that kind of rope and um, it frays outwards mm-hmm. and, and branches even further because they themselves are made up um of individual threads so yeah. uh, really like that uh, yeah. idea and i i think you're right it'll be interesting to see you know i think a lot of um assumption of uh, of what the nexus event is and um, i i whether it's love or just general feelings, you know, we, we hear a lot in, in this episode about them sort of having a friend or having a moment in their life that they look back on differently than normal. And mm-hmm. I think with the conversations from classic Loki, um, that it, it could just be around that, that they were working together. Yeah. Um, so. It's a, a moment of realization there. for both of them yeah. that they can do something that they weren't able to yeah. do in the past. They can change. They can become something brand new. Yeah, I totally see that. I know uh, Chris is on your side, Ryan. The idea of love conquers all would be uh, something that I think would kill this Absolutely. series for him if, if that's where it's going. Yeah, definitely with Chris as well on that uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the idea of, of of them confirming Loki's bisexual and if that was a relationship between uh, himself and Sylvie, you know, no no particular issue with having with him having a relationship with a woman first. That's the whole point of sexuality is that you fall in love with who you fall in love with right male or female so i, I think you may be right though that there that there this isn't a confirmed loving relationship between the two of them they may go off and end the series and go off and have adventures together as as two lokis traveling around uh, the world i think they kind of uh set that in this episode a bit more it felt like yeah. loki had seen something brand new in her 
Um, we saw from Kid Loki something different about you, he says to Loki. And Loki says, no, not me. Nothing different about me. I'm exactly the same as all the rest of you. But have you ever met a female Loki before? She's amazing. She's different. She she is saying that we can be different, effectively. So I think he may have just learned something about himself uh, from her as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for your feedback, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Ryan. Uh, we also got an email in from Coffee and Vodka. Uh, Hail and penultimate hello, Chris, Derek, and John. Wow. Kind of. Or is that wow? I think that's wow. Kind of. Um, <laughs> sound and fury signifying an episode resembling number three in a mini adventure which found explanation in episode four. Mm-hmm. It seems parts five and six are following suit. Almost structured like a song. Loud chorus in, in the odd numbered, bridge and verse in the even ones mm. of the episodes. The story of taking down the Time Lords almost lost in the beat and tempo style of action, emotion and explanation over and and over again. Uh, watching this has been like listening to an 80s band. Still, Richard E. Grant had his moment and Kid Loki's got quite a future, possibly my favourite aspect of this episode. Also, a nifty Guardians of the Galaxy Easter egg taken with the next and final show, I'm sure, a fine enough instalment. Now, crazy theory time. One, Mobius seems to know more about Loki than Loki himself. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the last we saw him, he was staring out longingly into the sea. Third, he, according to mythology, was fond of disguising himself. Four, in episode one, it was shown that Loki desired nothing more than his father's approval. Fifth, Disney changed the airing day from Friday, Frigg's Day, to Wednesday, Woden's Day. What are the chances we might see Anthony Hopkins on a jet ski in the final episode? <laughs> Question mark. So I guess your theory, Coffee Vodka, is that Odin is Mobius. He's hiding in Mobius. I love that. That's amazing. That is really interesting. <laughs> um, vodka and Coffee goes PS4. As for actual coffee and vodka, while working in Kyrgyzstan, there were a few who called it a Russian coffee. A lot more just called it breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Continued thanks for all you do, coffee and vodka. Thank you so, so much. Um, And thank you for the the little explanation of coffee and vodka. Um, That is good to know uh, where you can get a hearty breakfast from, (laughs) I guess. You will have to go to Kyrgyzstan, John. Yes. uh, At some point. Indeed. Uh, Thanks so much for your feedback. There's an example there, John, that I did not notice Eddie Guard of the Galaxy Easter egg, but knew there must be one. Uh, like I saw heli carriers going around, going down in the background. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, shield ships because that's the kind of stuff that my mind all, always goes to. Uh, but I know there's loads and loads of Easter eggs. Yeah, I didn't. More. I didn't spot the the Guardians Easter egg e- either. Although I do like that you have Guardians of the Galaxy Easter egg, which must mean it was a Galaxy Easter egg, oh, which would be go. very tasty. I don't know whether you get Galaxy Easter eggs, uh, but it is tasty chocolate indeed. <laughs> uh, some people think it maybe is slightly too sweet, but I love it. It's silky and chocolatey. It's a nice, nice it is job. very nice. And I'm totally with you about Kid Loki. I really um, connected with Kid Loki. I thought um, just as well, I think, because classic Loki 
gave him deference, but it felt like he really worked into that as an actor, really enjoyed both classic and kid Loki's sort of together. It felt like they could become a team as well until unfortunately classic Loki was plucked. Uh, from us uh, dreadfully. I'm sure Kid Loki will uh, will survive and do pretty well. Excellent. Thanks so much, Coffee and Vodka. Over on Twitter, Matt Murdock says, that was an adorable and epic episode of Loki. Well described, Matt. Over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries, Kay Patterson first up says, classic Loki is a badass. Kid Loki was great too and Loki Gator was hilarious. Nexus event, he ate the wrong neighbor's cat. Moby's got more action than Sylvie, the hug we all need needed. Though I, I like that she's the one who can't articulate her feelings, even to herself, and Loki is the one more in tune. No jet ski yet, but Mobius drove the Weasley's car and the Loki's battle, the smoke monster from Lost. Loved the snazzy new blade and that Loki learned to enchant. I'm not that person anymore. He's developed as far as and, and possibly beyond where he was in Infinity War. Though I hope he doesn't blunt too much of his trickster nature, being affably evil is a big part of what makes him fun in the first place. Thanks so much, Kay. Yeah, thanks so much, Kay. Um, yeah, the snazzy new blade was good. I just wonder how that will balance off with the the new magic he's learning as well, um, mm. for sure. And yeah, hopefully he's got that nice little bit of um, mischief still in there, because yeah. he is the god of mischief. He yeah. has to uphold... And um, that godly side of it, for sure. Absolutely. Um, at least we said, at least we got uh, both for Loki and uh, President Loki in this episode as well, being uh, mischievous. Yeah, and totally agree as well. Um, are around Kid Loki and Classic Loki, and of course, completely forgot uh, in talking and uh, responding to uh, vodka and coffees. Uh, email about yeah Loki Gator as well. Um, that was just pure sort of chef's kiss that and um, they managed to bring this character in uh to work so well against kid loki uh, and classic loki so yeah. yeah great stuff thanks so much Kay. and mobius getting a hug in the episode how do we not mention that farewell mobius as he goes back to the tva thanks Kay. yeah absolutely farewell mobius uh next up is heather wallace um who says I'm always a sucker for Loki and Thor's sibling bond. So when classic Loki said he left his hiding place because he missed his brother and our Loki's eyes softened as he thought about his brother, well, my heart grew two sizes. And then it grew again when our Loki hugged Mobius. No idea where this will lead. I'm completely confused and I don't want it to end. Uh, (laughs) Totally with you there, Heather. Uh, I don't want it to end. And I think, um, yeah, classic Loki... Uh, along with our Loki um, and with the hugging of Mobius. Um, I know, you know, was just really, really good. I do remember, you know, we were wondering about the intentions of Mobius as well as to whether he could be sort of, you know, a bit like we've got with Renslayer, mm. uh, whether there was something there. And I'm really hoping, given the hug, uh, the hug out, then um, that he, he he doesn't end off being kind of evil in in a sense, <laughs> yeah. um, but you never know yeah. because yeah, where will this lead? Indeed, absolutely. Thanks so much, Heather. Uh, Dan Lee says I missed my brother and wondered if he missed me. Oh Lord, such a simple line, but it didn't half make me feel sad. Also, it was interesting to see the name on the side of what's usually the Avengers th- Tower. A little Easter egg or some foreshadowing. 
Once again, John, there's another Easter egg that we've missed as well. Uh, a different writing on the side of the Avengers Tower. I didn't even notice it. No, I didn't either. Um, Dan, you have sharper eyes than us, uh-huh. I think. Um, I tell you, I would be useless in an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> um, I guess I wouldn't be getting too much chocolate in the end. Or fun stuff, because, yeah, completely missed that one. I feel like I go home with a full basket of Easter eggs, um, but still miss loads. You can't yeah. find them all, right? I think that is it. true. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. And also, Ray Ray Pod says, What a great penultimate episode. Classic Loki by Richard E. Grant was amazing. And I liked the almost Wagnerian motif he was given as he conjured up Asgard as a last hurrah. Mm-hmm. My gosh, we are so close to guessing the answers to that big question. Who is behind it all? Solid, solid piece of storytelling and thoroughly enjoyable series. I wondered if we'll see Sylvie in in the future MCU shows or films. Guess the outcome of next week's episode will determine that. Mm. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Ray Ray, uh, for the the feedback. Um, yeah, absolutely cannot uh, disagree with you uh, on your points. It was a great penultimate episode, uh-huh. uh, and yeah, the music as well was very very um stirring uh shall we say yes uh, in this as well it was really really great storytelling and direction um and acting from <laughs> everyone uh, and i i really hope we do see sylvie as well i, I guess depending on that nexus event mm-hmm. uh, and what comes to that from that um certainly it seems that there could be I, I don't just even mean whether there's a relationship or not i mean even if it's just them working together i can really see um at least a solid groundwork for her in the mcu moving forward yeah absolutely unless they have to merge together to become the greater being in well, the final episode or something like that yeah uh, just to your point that the music sounded very wagnerian um i did see a, a, a post from the uh, composer this morning mentioning that um right of the valkyries is one of the jump off points they had for this moment which you can absolutely feel uh in this episode thanks so much right we also have a piece of feedback from Jerry over on email. I'm so sorry Chris isn't here for this one. He says, hey guys, here is a haiku for Chris. <laughs> he says, Loki's everywhere, the void and a cosmic cloud shark. Richard E. Grant, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Love it, Jerry. Uh, he continues, episode five was fantastic. Loki's everywhere, but where are the other pruned people? Did Alioth destroy them all? Renslayer, what is her end game? Absolutely. Can Mobius burn down the TVA, or will he find out it's more complicated than he thought? Richard E. Grant, wow, what a performance. The costumes on all the Lokis was, were great. Again, the soundtrack was absolutely perfect. Special effects, outstanding. My theory, is it Dormammu who's behind this? Just kidding. My real theory is Loki himself, older, wiser version the runes in the TVA in episode four are the letters of Loki hiding in plain sight in the opening letter credits. One last question. Would you date a variant of yourself? Says Jerry. <laughs> thanks so much, Jerry. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Jerry. And certainly uh, teasing me, though, with Dolmu being behind Sorry, it all, <laughs> um, for sure. I think he is still lost in time, I guess. Mm. Um and yeah, I, I guess that is still a real possibility. The idea that there is another trickster, uh, in this world somewhere, possibly pulling all the strings, uh, for sure and hiding in, in plain sight. On the question of, uh, would I date a variant of myself? It would depend what, um, 
they would bring to the table, dare <laughs> I say it. Um, but I guess maybe we'd have to sit down for a coffee uh, at least uh, in in the in the in the sort of iconic phrase of, of Luke Cage from from the Marvel Netflix shows and the haiku. Loved it. Great stuff. Um, Chris will certainly be uh, seeing that. Absolutely. Well done, Jerry. Well done, Jerry. Uh, yeah. I Would I date a variant of myself? Well, I wouldn't date any variant of myself, let's say that. It would have to be a very um, exceptional variant. How about that? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Jerry. A bit more feedback over from Facebook. AJ Ebersole says, what a great episode. I loved Boastful Loki's Nexus event about killing Captain America and Iron Man and taking all six Infinity Stones as his prize. What was up with the helicopter that said Thanos on the side? Was that a Thanos variant? Thanos copter? Also in the same scene was that a mini version of Thor in a jar. At first I thought it was Ant-Man, but went back and saw Thor's helmet. Could it be Thor with Ant-Man's powers? I love this show and I'm so upset that it's ending next week. I need 10 more episodes. Uh, I think we talked about a lot of those uh, during the episode, AJ. Um, the Thanos copter is actually a, th- a copter that Thanos travelled in rather than uh, Thanos as a helicopter. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That's like uh, one of the kids' cartoons. Cars. Well, cars. Yeah. yeah which I guess. which uh, didn't that star uh, Owen Wilson uh, as the voice of uh, of the the main character in Cars? So maybe maybe it was <laughs> a universe where everybody's a helicopter. That would be pretty silly. <laughs> it would. It would. But you never know. You never know. Thanks so much, AJ. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks, AJ. And um, yeah, Thor in a jar was Throg. That's right. That's yes. right. A frog and Thor. Rolled into one. So, um, yeah, Thanos copter, Thanos as a helicopter could possibly exist. There you go. <laughs> also, over Facebook, Samuel Cox said some feedback. Wasn't a big fan of this episode. He said, hello, guys, heads up. This is a different type of comment to my normally excited and nerdy self. Now, I appear to be alone in this from reading the rest of your community's comments, but I wasn't overly fond of episode five, Journey into Mystery. The title itself referencing the run of comics published by Marvel under the name of Timely Comics. This episode to me felt like a fun and wacky distraction, but rushed plot points and potential character building. Yes, we have edged closer to the end of the series, so for that, I cannot be considered useless, but I feel like there were so many missed opportunities and simply lazy moments. I didn't feel as overall invested in the story this week compared to the last. That was even after a rewatch. We did get an abundance of references to the comics, which I'm sure I've missed a million, but I did clock out to Throg. Alioth, the interdimensional cloud, the void at the end of time, leaving my theory on it, he who remains wide open, even the Thanos copter appearing in the episode. This episode did, however, bring back a character I have been missing, Miss Minutes, while simultaneously too quickly scrapping a character that was actually a positive from the episode, Classic Loki, who is portrayed beautifully by Richard E. Grant and Sean compared to Kid and Boastful Loki, which I felt like poorly acted stage characters. Harsh, I know, but I'm sorely let down by this episode. My biggest problem this time overall was the simplicity of the plot points and story flow. Everything happened too easy. It felt like lazy writing. And even the big monologues and conversations between the main characters fell flat for me. For Loki to say, I think we are more powerful than we think, followed by Sylvia claiming, you know how to do it, enchant, you are Loki, we are the same, just really wound me up. I understand why they did it, but I would have much preferred for him to actually have to work to master that ability and others showcased in this episode. Classic Loki's recreation of Asgard, however, was absolutely awesome, and I believed he developed that power while in isolation to temper the sting of loneliness. The whole thing felt rushed, but with that I have hope that this is all in aid of the finale, where all of our questions will be answered and we will be even given some new ones to speculate about regarding the future of the MCU. 
Overall, as a standalone episode, I thought it was poor, but as you guys said on the last the last week's Bad Batch episode, I will wait and see how it fits into the full six-episode storyline. Hope it wasn't too much of a Debbie Downer, but I guess I was just expecting more. P.S. Regarding Star Wars, we get the classic Marvel nod to Empire Strikes Back as President Loki gets his hand bitten off by Gator Loki. Thanks so much, Samuel. Really good to hear your thoughts. I know uh, we it, it is really interesting that people can have just different, respe- different perspectives on, on these kind of episodes. I think we were saying off-air last week how funny it was that IGN gave like a 3 out of 10 to last week's episode, and loads of us seem to really enjoy it. And then this week, they've given an 8 out of 10 to this episode, and people some people didn't enjoy it, and some people did. So it, it just, I guess, some episodes hit in different ways for, for people, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it, it's, you know, some things hit, some things don't. I mean, yeah. you know, like yourself, I really, really enjoyed Classic Loki. Um, I think Richard E. Grant was just amazing. Uh, really, really enjoyed his portrayal. And of course, you know, it would have been great, uh, to see him stay on, uh, rather than have the sacrifice. But, I like the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I know what you mean. You see the energy required by him to recreate Asgard. And maybe it's the scale thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just, yeah, probably it's in terms of just the timing and where they are in, in the episode that, you know, there was a sense that there was a bit of a struggle to enchant. Um, yeah. but ultimately, yes, it came pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess. I think it's something that has been referenced previously, yeah. uh, building up to this. Um, but we haven't necessarily seen, um, Loki sort of maybe experimenting with that. But yeah. there has been this idea that there is more to the Lokis than simply the daggers. And I think it was just kind of capped in this episode yeah. with, uh, what both Sylvie, but also, uh, what classic Loki was saying. But I, I do, you know, I do know what you mean, but I, I think um, it's probably where they are and how much time they can really assign to it. Mm. Um, and I think uh, that I think of the other Lokis, I did really like Kid Loki, to be honest. Um, I thought he was, I think he really held his own. Um, and I think there was a real nice kind of interplay mm-hmm. um, between him and classic Loki as well. I wonder will we see... Loki try to enchant on his own in the final episode and he isn't able to do it as instantaneously because here he's adding his power to enchant to I was going to say enchantress there to to Sylvie when she's yeah, using her true. power and the two of them combined are are enchanting the uh, the the cloud effectively um so I wonder will we see him not be able to do it just on his own straight off and maybe that's the build up for season 2 if there is a season 2 maybe Sylvie starts to train him in those ways of enchanting, maybe something like that. Yeah. I mean, look, definitely no Debbie Downers here. I think, um, it's all valid points. And I think that that's absolutely, uh, the, the thing with interpreting, Mm -hmm. um, TV shows, things that some people just don't like, or just it falls flat with them. Other people really, um, sort of take off with it. Uh, And I think, you know, it happens all over the place. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thanks so much, uh, Samuel, for, for the feedback. And yes, I hadn't really clocked the Empire Strikes Back nod with the, the, the loss of President Loki's hand. Yeah, me neither. Some people have been pointing out that it's very similar to, um, to Peter Pan with Captain Hook losing his hand to an alligator. Uh, the show is all about time that, yeah. and the clock is, is, is always ongoing in Peter Pan. The clock is inside the alligator. Uh, I think even down to the fact that Tom Hiddleston voiced 
uh, Captain Hook in uh, in a, a production of uh, of Peter Pan at one point. So uh, so that connection has been made as well. But uh, great stuff. Thanks so much for that, Samuel. Yeah, thanks so much, Samuel. Again, uh, Jamie Lawson says. Was the fortress at the end that you see Loki and Sylvie making their way to very similar to Adrian Velt prison mansion from the Watchmen TV show? Ooh. Or was that just me? There again, there is a certain character in the Marvel Universe that has a castle located on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, indeed. A, a certain uh, Victor Von Doom, yes, I, I think. Uh, and certainly it had that feel to it for sure. Um, and could certainly be very similar to Adrian Veidt, um, from, from the Watchmen series. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they use the location, uh, for that filming or just the design comes up very similar. Uh, thanks very much for that, Jamie. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, Ray Felix says, so far, so good. What a bloody rise this has been. This is better than fourth wall Deadpool. That's for sure. <laughs> This episode reminds me of the last issues of Grant Morrison's Animal Man. A lot of parallels between that comic and this script. I wonder if the writers are comic readers of Morrison's work. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me, um, given the writer for this episode um, does Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of cultural touchstone points in, in Rick and Morty. There is, um, yeah. so. That that could very well be the case. Yeah, I must admit I haven't read uh, any of Animal Man myself from Morrison. I know him mostly from his Batman work and a lot of his work for DC. You don't know a huge amount of his own work um, like Animal Man. Uh, but that's really interesting, yeah, that, that sometimes uh, these things just cross over. An idea just happens to be taken up in similar ways from, from other people. Uh, thanks so much for that, right? Uh, Bradley Lee Allison says, well, Loki just broke the streak of Marvel shows having the penultimate episode be their best episode. While I enjoyed this, I still preferred episode four. Crossing fingers, it'll break the streak, streak of people thinking the finale is the worst episode. Hopefully, while lecturing Sylvie on getting in, st- in a stranger's car, Mobius also told her it's the people who say, trust me, who are the ones that can't be trusted. I love that Sylvie pruned herself and that the TVA hunters were so were truly floored by it, leaving Renslayer to have to play it off. This might have them confused enough to be questioning what's going on, even before Mobius comes to enlighten them. Hunter B-15 is giving me a small taste of Loki in the Thor movies. Love her, even when I'm against her actions. And now so glad she's on our team. Plus, she's actually just sitting there in her cell, like calm, cool and collected, the way Loki pretended to be in Dark World, like a boss. Classic Loki's backstory feels like Marvel squashing all the 2019 Loki is still alive fans, but classic Loki being caught by the TVA because he missed Thor, amazing. And add in that look in Loki Prime's eyes. Gator Loki was a whole vibe, and I hope to see Kid Loki with the other Young Avengers Marvel has been teasing. Loved seeing all the Lokis standing outside the hatch, especially President Loki and one of the Loki variants from Episode 2. I'm sure all these dragons and callbacks will be covered. I'll just say I love they include historical as well as the comic book Easter eggs. I hope to see classic Loki again, but if we don't, it will be fitting that this episode is titled Journey into Mystery, which is the comic where Loki made his first appearance. I acknowledge that my theories from the beginning of the series have been pretty much eradicated, and I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Brandy. I love, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I love when uh, when we make all those theories in the first couple of episodes, and they're completely blown apart by the end of the series because they, the show has taken all those twists centers that they always tend to do <laughs> yeah i loved um gator loki as well and um, i loved the vibe as you say mm. just it was really good what they did with with that character and um yeah i think classic loki taken too soon but i'm i'm glad they made it meaningful 
in terms of his sacrifice mm-hmm. uh, at the hands of or at the cloud ball of Alioth, <laughs> but also that you know there was some element of him imparting something to our Loki. Yeah, uh, I thought that was really good, and um, yeah, Hunter B five uh, was pretty cool. Carmen collected the, and again, yeah. I think her vibe was really, really good um, as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, interesting point, actually, about the classic Loki's backstory about how he escaped uh, from the attack of Thanos in, in um, Endgame Infinity War. Uh, it's a really good point that this may just be their way of saying, look, this is how Loki would have gotten out of it. And if he did, this is what would have happened to him. <laughs> you know, it's a nice way to, uh, to play that off, but they have confirmed that that Loki is the, is the end of Loki, I suppose, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, Brandy. Um, Kelly Resendez says this episode was so good. Definitely have to watch it more than one time. A couple of thoughts. Does anyone think Owen Wilson is perfect as Mobius? I mean, who else could you see driving a pizza delivery car in to save the day? Mm-hmm. With all of the Easter eggs shown in the void, it would have been awesome if they would have thrown in a little something from the original X-Men or Fantastic Four movies, just as a, so that's where they, they ended up tease. Uh, one episode left. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed, Kelly, uh, definitely one episode left. Um, yeah, I think the pizza delivery car was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Owen Wilson has, has just been really, really good. I've, I've really loved his portrayal as Mobius and certainly his interaction with Loki. And I yeah. think that hug was a really good send off. Unless he's still evil. It is a working theory. Um, maybe not, but who knows? That's only your working theory, John. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to have seen a little touch of, of X-Men of Fantastic Four there, Kelly, but I, I think they'll save that. They're, they're going to make a big deal out of it when they make a big deal out of it. Remember, there was a reference to, uh, in Madripoor, um, there was a reference to X-Men they had to remove uh, when they showed that in, in uh, Falcon the Witch Soldier, so they're definitely saving those kind of teases for the future. But the idea of having, you know, those old, those old versions of those characters in the old movies and having them placed in the background somewhere. You never know. They could be there. There seem to be so many Easter eggs uh, that, that uh, we may not catch them all. Uh, back over on email, Victor says, Hail Derek, John and Chris and fellow defenders. I remember the episode title as the comic that introduced Thor, but perhaps the title should be A Fistful of Lokis. <laughs> wow, this episode was full of Easter eggs. Throg jumping at me all there. USS Eldridge for the Philadelphia experiment. The crashed Kree ship. Thanos had a chopper and more. Perhaps a pub quiz challenge? I don't think we'd be that cruel to put in how many Easter eggs were in the episode. Well, we, we've challenge. certainly not caught half of them, no. probably. So uh, I guess any answer could be correct for that for that pub quiz question. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Victor continues, why was Kid Loki carrying a toaster? <laughs> I was curious as to which Loki would, would betray the others. The Loki brawl had me rolling on the floor laughing. Gator Loki was a hoot. I was surprised Sylvie did not enchant Renslayer when they shook hands. I'm looking forward to a Mobius versus Renslayer showdown. I love Richard E. Grant as classic Loki. His projection of Asgard was awesome, as well as the, that musical score. The castle beyond Alioth looks like Varian to me, but the current resident is probably Kang. As always, looking forward to the podcast and Defenders feedback. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Thanks so much, Victor. Um, yeah, I think, I think the toaster that Kid Loki was carrying mm. was a, some kind of put together device. I think it was, tracking where 
Alioth was. Well, I know he was. Something. I know he was carrying a device that that he was using for that purpose. But on his backpack, I definitely saw a toaster. Oh, I was okay. Going, what, yeah, yeah, is I that just that. is that just something he uh, he plugs in and gets some toast, and that's how he feeds himself? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But okay, it's I missed re- that definitely. It's an interesting touch, and I wonder if it's just something from Kid Loki in the comic books. Yeah, I think um, I think as well because Sylvie was still in the TVA, then she couldn't enchant um, Renslayer. Oh yes, I forgot to say that. Sorry, Victor did cover on Facebook that he'd realised afterwards ah, okay. uh, still in the TVA so okay. yeah, that's the reason um, the the score the musical score mm-hmm. and Richard E. Grant I think yeah I'm to- in total agreement with how awesome uh, that was and yeah. how great Richard E. Grant was and um, in- interesting about whether it's probably Kang or not I know uh, mm-hmm. you know I've been reading a few things about uh, how this has really been a nice digestion around Loki actually uh, as a, as a character and his development and I guess him sort of growing and will they introduce a big bad like this that's for a movie here at the end of the TV show mm-hmm. that kind of let's not say that it would take away but is there a danger that that might happen mm-hmm. so I'm not entirely sure now whether Kang will be the person um in that castle I'm also not sure that it will be a Latverian, yeah. um, but that would be awesome as well. I mean, I, I think it would be awesome to introduce Kang. It would be just a complete um, mind blow if they introduced Doctor Doom. It would. Um, but I, I'm wondering whether it's going to be that big. Um, to, I, I just don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. Wondering, wondering what it will be, but I wonder if they could do it like the way they introduced Thanos at the end of uh, of uh, the Avengers movies all that time ago, where they just show his face and you don't find out exactly who he is for a long time. Everybody knows who he is because all the internet uh, tells you immediately. But uh, do they show him? And then he shows up in 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 uh, Quantumania, the Man of the Wasp, uh, the next movie. I wonder if that's the way they'll do it. Uh, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, a lot is ki- pointing to Kang. So exactly, but that's the kind of thing they'll do at the end of a first series of a show, and you'll expect to wait till the second series. And in fact, they they bring him into one of the movies because they can do that with Marvel now. Uh, maybe that's it. Thanks so much, Victor. Yeah, thanks, Victor. Uh, Parthenia also emailed her thoughts. She says, "Hey there, fellow defenders." I have enjoyed your coverage of Loki as usual. I found it extremely helpful this time around. I've enjoyed the series, minus a few scenes from Lamentis. I have one question about Loki. Is he stronger than the average human? His fight scenes with humans seem to put him on an equal footing, except he has good fighting skills. Mm -hmm. But then my mind goes back to the original Thor movie. He was fighting stronger creatures, or better yet, he was slammed around by the Hulk and survived. Or am I just making something out of nothing? Moving on, was I the only one left frozen when he was pruned? I loved that scene because the gears in my mind started to turn, trying to figure out how he was going to be brought back. I'm glad that I didn't have to wait for the answer very long. Also, when Mobius was pruned, I had the same reaction. Honestly, I think they probably shouldn't have had the extra scene. It would have left me wanting more for the following seven days. There's so much to say about episode 5. I wondered how all of my questions would be answered in 45 minutes, and they were not. I enjoyed all of the Lokis. He was able to see mirror images of himself and how selfish he could be, or how predictable and annoying he can be looking for his glorious purpose. Just in case you were wondering, the alligator was my (laughs) favourite. 
Parthenia adds, I see now that I got totally confused as there will be an episode six. Phew, thank the Lokis. Don't judge me until next time, Parthenia. No judging here, Parthenia. Yeah. I, I know it's, you know, Wanda had nine. Falcon and the Winter Soldier had six. Mm-hmm. Um, this has got six as well. And it's just flown by. Um, constantly asking, uh, having the same thoughts as well. Yeah. Um, but you're, Questions hopefully will be answered in episode six. And now that the, the angry cloud has been pulled back to mm-hmm. reveal this very intriguing castle at the uh, end of time. Yeah. Yeah. Also, as for the strength of Loki, he is immortal. So that, that thing that we had back in Avengers where he's being slammed back and forth by Hulk, he can survive that. He's come back to life multiple times. I don't know whether he's particularly stronger. He's certainly smarter than most people that he fights. So he, uh, is really good at fighting, so he can beat a lot of people in fighting because he's able to use his tricks uh, to get around them a lot of the times. But I'm not too sure whether he's like the level of Thor as a fighter in terms of in terms of um, strength. I don't think he is by by any means. Actually, I think he's quite significantly weaker than Thor. Um, but he would be uh, very strong, like the other frost giants. Yeah, I, I think he I think he is strong. Um, he has that power. He is a god, but. He is also one that uses his wits, his mischief, yeah. his, um, to, to, to get what he wants. I, I think as well within the TVA, it's, it's the sense that his power is actually stripped from him. So, uh, that could even include his strength ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, or his, you know, his godliness, but certainly he's not able to cast his own, um, projections. Um, in the TVA in yeah. the same way that Sylvie can't do the enchanting. So yeah. I think he is depowered in the TVA for yes, those scenes. Exactly. But, it, but he could definitely take a punch. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for that, Pratania. Uh, we have some voicemails, uh, in for it to close out the episode. Uh, first up, Ryan has a voicemail about episode five. How's it going, guys? Ryan here. I want to give a quick review of episode five. First and foremost, looks like I was wrong. They are trying to set. Loki and Sylvie up to fall in love. Bit weird in my eyes, but let's see what happens in episode six and go with the flow. This episode was amazing. I love the graphics. I love the special effects, all that kind of stuff. It was unreal. I loved it. All the Lokis, it was wicked. But for me, it was an Easter egg bonanza, full of Easter eggs from the Thanos helicopter to a Thor frog in a cage, in a, in a little jar, sorry, with a Mjolnir hammer next to him. And just too many that I know I haven't caught and that I know we, we will be finding out about over the next couple of days. So all in all, really looking forward to episode six, but I think this is a good penultimate episode and I'm throwing it out there now. I don't think we're going to see Kang. I think he might be mentioned, but I don't think we're going to see him. That's just my theory. But as we all know, my theories don't really pan out that well. So, hey-ho. Anyway, guys, thanks for everything. Speak to you soon. Excellent, Ryan. You're in good company here. Our theories don't generally pan out either. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, really, really good fun episode. And and yeah, I I wouldn't like to be on one of those sites that puts together, you know, those those ones that are always tagged as every Easter egg you missed from episode five of Loki, because they usually try to get those out within a couple of hours of the episodes coming out. Uh, I'd say they're going to be working on them until Saturday uh, of this week. Uh, Thanks so much, Ryan, for your thoughts. Yeah, thanks so much, Ryan. We also have a voicemail from Anwin. 
Hi Derek and John and Chris away in the country. It's Anwin here and I just got finished watching Loki episode 5. What an amazing show. I'm loving it so much. I love all the little details like the golden door that has hourglass symbols on it. I think Tom Hiddleston is such an amazing actor. He's so physical with it. He's got this amazing comic timing and the tiny little quirks of his face when he reacts to things are just delightful. And he's trained in theatre and I feel like we're watching him in a play from the front row. You can see all these big movements that are intended to be seen from the back rows but you can see the little subtle nuances as well. I love that scene where he's theatrically tiptoeing through all of the fighting Lokis. I feel like um, some people might find the relationship between Loki and Sylvie weird, but I'm not sure that it's meant to be romantic. The writers are definitely teasing us with that, but I think it's just the first time they've made a real connection with someone, and I know that they're just versions of each other or themselves, but I think they have lived such different lives that it makes the connection meaningful, and their chemistry on screen is really captivating. And finally, only Richard E. Grant could look majestic while conjuring a holographic Asgard in his underpants over tights. (laughs) Keep up the great work, guys. Can't wait for the finale and to hear what you guys think of it all. Bye. Thanks so much, Anwin, uh, for that. I completely agree. I I think the the writers are are certainly, you know, that they're they're doing the double bluff that it, it looks romantic, but at at its heart, in essence, it's purely about a connection yeah. um, and about something that's that connection that's never happened before with a Loki in yeah. that sense. Um, it's and really I, well put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think for, for sure. I think the theatre element, it is, it's really interesting when you get theatre actors working behind the camera mm-hmm. because, it, it, and certainly when, I, I guess it comes to the likes of very big extravagant characters like Loki I think like uh with Doctor Strange um mm-hmm. that they that there's there's that largesse about some of their actions but it is also imbued with subtlety which is what you exactly have to do on, on a theater is make it noticeable enough for those in the back row to see a pained expression or something, mm-hmm. you have to make it big enough, but keep it subtle. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that can really work so well uh, with some of these, th- these characters. And yeah. um, I think that also goes for Richard E. Grant as well. I would agree. Um, only Richard E. Grant could make <laughs> uh, that Asgard majestic. And dare I say it, whilst looking very nerdy and very stringy. Yeah. Uh, he looks like a runner bean uh, in, his, in his tight costume. And I, I just loved it. It yeah. was just like, um, yeah, I think for me, every kind of nerdy um, sort of I don't know, just sort of image came to me. I was like thinking that is exactly how I would look trying to conjure something up wearing, you know, yellow, bright yellow spandex with, I I mean, I don't know how he acted with those horns coming out of his head because I just can imagine him knocking 
things over mm. and banging into stuff as he moves his head with those horns on him. So, yeah, really, really good. Like, it's been really funny, hasn't it, over the course of the three TV shows now on Disney Plus? You know, they're, they're showing costumes that 10 years ago in the MCU they would have been saying, absolutely not. Get the costume designers in here to redesign that. In, in WandaVision, we saw Wanda in her traditional outfit. They called it a, a, a costume for Halloween. In Falcon the Winter Soldier, Falcon originally was, as we talked about, was a pimp in the 70s and they put him in a pimp costume uh, when they went to Madripoor. In this show, we see Loki's original costume, which there's no way that even as good an actor as Tom Hiddleston is, I don't think he could carry off this costume, but they put it on Richard E. Grant. So you see all three of those original costumes now over the course of these shows uh, that, that, as I say, originally Feige in uh, setting up the MCU would not possibly have been able to carry off. But now we're able to do that with these shows and do it in fun, different ways, which I think is really cool. Uh, great feedback there, Armin. Thanks so much for your thoughts. Oh, sorry, that, that moment with uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, getting his way through the Loki fight was hilarious. I thought that was a really good comedy moment as well. Uh, well called out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Anwin. Um, on final piece of voice feedback is from Steve. Hey guys, it's Steve. Uh, man, this is another one that's going to take multiple watches, but you know, definitely it's all setting up for the final episode, which is, which is kind of good. I like that. Um, I do have one question and, and maybe you guys can answer it or maybe multiple watches. I'll figure it out. Did Mobius still have a temp pad? Is that why he was able to open that, that door there at the end? And why hadn't he done that sooner? Was he just waiting for the other Lokis? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that. So maybe if you guys caught that or I'll try to see if I can catch it on multiple viewings, but, uh, loved seeing all the, the different Lokis and that scene in the, in the bunker where they all turn on each other and start fighting was, was just great. And it was really cool. The alligator Loki, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, it was, there was a lot of talking, a lot of setup for the final episode, but that's okay. I, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. Thanks so much, Steve. You probably did catch uh, that in, in a future watch that it's actually the Tempad that Sylvie stole from Renslayer. She passes it to Loki. Loki decides to stay and passes it on to um, Mobius, who then uses it to go back to the TVA, then tries to take Kid Loki and Classic Loki with him, who refuse. <laughs> so it does pass around a lot of people, but uh, but effectively it's Renslayer's yeah. um Tempad that he gets that he uses to get back. Thanks so much. Glad you enjoyed the episode as well, Steve. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. And thanks so much to everybody who sent us in feedback for this episode. Yeah, great getting all your thoughts, uh, feedback, theories, comments. Uh has been so, so good. Um I am surprised that no one spotted the Sanctum Santorum. Mm. But there are many that have been missed because I've I've heard about a Kree ship in there. Yes, there was. Um, there was talk of Guardians of the Galaxy reference. I'm like, didn't catch any of them. So <laughs> I definitely understand missing uh, the Sanctum Santorum. I, I think your eyes are just a tune. Exactly. To them. It's like if, if there was a an eye patch sitting somewhere in a cigar, I'd be going, that's Nick Fury. <laughs> it, it's like with the upcoming What's If uh, Marvel animation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw the old Sorcerer Supreme, I was like, oh, definitely got to check that out. Oh, that's out. right. Of course. Oh, that was just announced uh, as we were recording, uh, coming out on August 11th uh, this year, starting uh, Wednesdays, August 11th, uh, the what if series coming out uh, really looking forward to covering that 
If you want to send in any of your feedback for the show, uh, for Loki and for any of the shows we're covering, uh, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Same address where you can send your answers for the first five questions of Pub Quiz, or if you wait until next week to get the sixth question, uh, you can email us then with all six answers and be with a chance to get your hands on some Loki goodies. Yeah, once again, thanks so much for, for listening to our discussion of Loki Episode 5, journey into mystery Mm -hmm. catch us over on tvpodcastindustries.com over on twitter at tvpodindustries or join us over on our facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries absolutely we'll be back next week with the finale of loki but in between now and then we'll be back with star wars the bad batch episode 11 and the latest MCU movie in cinemas, Black Widow. We'll be back with that this weekend too. So uh, get all your thoughts in and uh, get your headphones out because you're going to be listening to us a little bit uh, over the next couple of days. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, I cannot wait to be back for the finale of Loki Episode 6 and um, discussing it with you, our fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. For all time and always. Bye. <laughs>